Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you have a spring birthday coming up? Let's make it epic with Big Air Trampoline Park inside Fieldhouse USA at the Polaris Mall. Get five extra jumpers for free with a spring birthday special when you book a 60, 90, or 120-minute birthday party online. And don't forget, all Big Air parties include all attractions, a personal party host, and more. Make it the best birthday party ever, and don't blow your budget. Book your party now at BigAirUSA.com slash Columbus. Big Air Trampoline Park inside Fieldhouse USA at the Polaris small in a damn thing pretty unless you're talking about the bridge and seaport even from the seats in the upper decks you can see the seashore tailgate function with the corny aside just walk from the tribal building for the padres i'm on it yeah because for the 619 we'll knock you down anything for the brown put it on the town started back rocking the brown ever since we've been knocking them down baby says you want to go to the game taught her how to say padre gang Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 247 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. The Padres have moved on to the division series to face the Los Angeles Dodgers starting on Tuesday. And we got diehard Mets fan here with us, Evan Roberts, WFAN. I went to college my first year in New York, and this guy knows his stuff. And I can tell you, he's pretty pissed off today. Uh, before we started recording, he already told me to get the smile off of my face. Um, I mean, I guess uh, we're going to talk about it in this episode. It's going to be talking about, obviously, Padres Mets and just reacting to this series. And I guess my first question, thank you, Evan, for joining. He's been, he was on the show last season. Uh, just your overall thoughts on what happened over the weekend. I mean, the Mets come in as the favorites. You have all the experts, you know, 27 of the 31 ESPN experts picking the Mets, all of the SNY guys picking the Mets, and Max Scherzer sucks on Friday. I mean, that's what happened. Yep. Uh, DeGrom, he, he pitched good, but then yesterday, I think the national audience got to see who Joe Musgrove was and got to see uh, that the Padres do have depth all around their team. Just your thoughts first off on the weekend. Uh, for me... I wasn't stunned because the playoffs started last week. 
The mm-hmm. Mets were in this battle with the Braves for the NL East. They led 95% of the season, and they went into a series a week ago against Atlanta, needing to win once. Essentially, if they won one game against the Braves, they were in the driver's seat to win the NL East and never be in this series. Never even deal with the Padres. Go right to the divisional series with our feet up. And they choked in Atlanta. All of them. Scherzer wasn't good. DeGrom was average. Bassett wasn't good. And they couldn't get a big hit. And that deeply concerned me because that was their first taste of playoff baseball in my mind. And they came up small. And so that fear was in my head of, That could happen again, and I have respect for the Padres. I know you guys have, I guess, underachieved based on the expectations, but this is a talented team. I never took that for granted at all. Uh, Juan Soto puts the fear of God in me. Now, he Mm -hmm. didn't really kill him that much until the end. But, yeah, I mean, the Padres are a good team. They were one of those teams that I looked at and said, I'd rather not play them. But the Mets collapsed, and that's not – I don't say that as a knock on the Padres. I know the Padres played well in this series. They deserve a lot of credit. But – I look at the three against Atlanta, the three against the Padres. I see a team that lost five out of six, whose starting pitching was mostly mediocre, and an offense that went completely limp. So the feeling in New York and the feeling I have, without any disrespect to the Padres, is that the Mets collapsed. Yeah, I mean, this kind of feels like, to me, like the last year's Padres, but this just happened later for the Mets. Like I'm not saying the Padres had this big division lead last year or anything, but the Padres collapsed at the end of last yeah. season. They didn't have the pitching. Uh, their offense just wasn't scoring runs. Now the Mets, they did have the names, you know, that you would think that they have the pitching. But Max Scherzer, I mean, we could talk about his Friday night performance. He did not show up. It, he looked like a minor league pitcher out there. That's, I mean, giving up seven runs, that's inexcusable when you're getting paid $40 million a year by this Mets team. And what's crazy about Max is that when he pitched this year, and he missed a bunch of time with the oblique, but when he pitched, he actually pitched to the lowest ERA in his major league career. We're talking about a Hall of Famer, but his last two starts, the game against Atlanta last Saturday, and then obviously game one of this series, he came up incredibly small. And I know there are whispers, well, at least hurt, the oblique is still bothering him. Nobody wants to hear that. I'm sorry. Whether it's true or not, it just, it doesn't matter. Like, you're here for these moments. And the tone of this series was set, I think, by two things. Number one, Josh Bell hitting that two-run home run off Max. But number two, the Mets had a chance in the bottom of the first inning. Pete Alonso's first pitch from Hugh Darvish off the bat, I thought for a split second, was going to mm-hmm. just rock City Field to its core and be a three-run home run. And the Mets' failures to score in the first, Scherzer's putting them behind the eight ball right out of the gate, it set the tone for this whole series. Did you think that this Padres pitching staff was – as like mediocre as it felt like the national media was making it seem like. I don't know if you saw the MLB.com list of them being yeah. ranked last. It's like it's like they weren't giving the Padres the respect going in. I know the Mets, they had respect for the Padres, but nationally they didn't. The national media is a bunch of idiots. I'm sorry. Like, I, I could tell you New York, I don't know if this is going to make you guys feel any better. None of us wanted to play the Padres. And I think there's some bias to that. Like, The Mets struggled against the Padres this Mm -hmm. year. They played six games. The Padres won two out of three in San Diego, two out of three at City Field. Like, so sometimes it's simplistic, and I don't necessarily think that should be enough of a reason to fear a team, but Met fans didn't want to play the Padres, and a lot of it was that. But Hugh Darvish has always, always dominated the Mets. 
And then, you know, I just know as a baseball fan how good you was in September and how good Blake Snell was in the second half of the year. I know Snell didn't pitch all that well in the playoff game, but certainly the Mets struggles against lefties, the way Snell had pitched in the second half. And here's what scared me about Joe Musgrove. And I said this uh, a couple of days ago. He's Mr. San Diego. Like, he's your effing guy. He's from the area. His dad was a Padre fan. He threw your first no-hitter ever. Like, he's you. I mean, if if I was a Padre fan, I'd be – He'd be my guy. I mean, I have his jersey. Yes, yes. I respect that. Um, now, what we found out last night is that he's a cheating bastard. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. All <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Listen, on that, let me just say this. And I hope you agree with me, just because I think this is this will make sense. Buck Showalter was desperate. And I yes. think when you're desperate and your team is about to die, you're going to try anything. And so I would say, I would say to Joe Musgrove, if I ever met him, I'd say, Joe, don't take it personal. Like, I don't know what was on his ear. I'm not one. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I genuinely, I don't think he was doing anything. I know that his spin rates were up and he had stuff on his ear. I'm not, I, I don't like to go around just accusing people of stuff, but in a spot where my season's on the line, I'll do anything. So yeah, but Evan, out there, it was four to nothing at that time. It was four to nothing. If you're going to do it, how about you do it earlier? How about you do it earlier? But my dad says to me, we're at the game last night, and my dad says to me, let's say they find sticky stuff on his ear. Let's say he's cheating. What good does that do us? Yeah. We're, we're down 4 nothing in the sixth inning. And I was like, you're Even right. if Musgrove was taken out of the game, Robert Suarez, who was throwing gas, could go two innings. They hadn't used Hater all series long yet. Like, we're it's dead 4 nothing at the point. It's too late. Completely agree. I still don't mind it because yeah. why not? You got nothing to lose. But I agree. It's not like we're hitting a reset button on the game if to find out he's cheating. So I didn't have an issue with it. And what I would say to Padre fans is don't take it personal. I think a lot of it was, hey, when you're desperate and your season's about to end, you're going to try anything. Right. I just think it was I, – I think Joe could take it personally in the moment. I understand what you're saying about us not taking personally because you're just trying to do something. But with Joe, I mean, that literally helped Joe Musgrove and the Padres. That pissed him off. It did. It was like, really? You're going to accuse me of doing this? And first inning, he was checking the balls. I know you were at the game, so you probably didn't see, but on he was checking baseballs that Joe was throwing. And it's like, what are you doing here? You know, Joe, well, earlier in the week with the quotes, he literally said, I don't feel good about wearing the Astros ring. He'd be the last guy to be cheating. Let me ask you this, though. And I know it doesn't mean anything, but again, put yourself in the shoes of the other team. Yeah. If you're getting notified, wow, his spin rate's up on every single pitch. Wouldn't you say that's peculiar? Now, that's not proof of cheating. I want to make that clear. But, again, you're the opposing manager. Your team's getting shut out. You got one freaking hit. You would probably say, I got to try something. I got to do something. This doesn't seem real. Something seems to be off. And Maybe maybe if it was a regular season start, but if it's the postseason and a winner-take-all game, I mean, spin rates, if they go up, you can attribute some adrenaline to that. Sure. And, again, oh, no, no. we go back to – doing it that late in the game it's four to nothing you're being dominated do it earlier in the game then if you see if you're checking the baseballs in the first inning why are you not going out to check him in the third or the fourth inning instead of you know later in the game when they did it and i agree with you because to your point even if you find out he's cheating it's too late like i don't think the mets all of a sudden are going to hit that padre bullpen you mentioned how good suarez looked when he came in in the eighth Mm -hmm. inning but I guess just from my perspective, I, I understand Buck trying because, listen, it was like a funeral at City Field. And so yeah. desperate times call for desperate measures. Did you hear, uh, I'm sure you did, the fans chanting cheater at uh, Joe? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. And look, it, again, this fan base last night at City Field was dead. It was like a funeral. Early on in that game, the crowd kind of knew the writing on the wall. So anything that provided juice, I was in favor of. Like Lindor fouled the ball. I think it was off his knee and he looked hurt. And Lindor staying in the game fired up the crowd. Like right. yeah. anything that was going to fire up the crowd, I'm okay with. Look, is Joe Musgrove a cheater? No. I mean, they didn't catch him with anything. And unless you catch him with something, he's not a cheater. But I don't blame fans for chanting anything because we're, we're desperate too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What did you think of uh, – this maybe doesn't even really mean anything in the series, but what about – uh, Edwin Diaz being used on Saturday that early and then having him go out there again, maybe Buck could have brought in Edwin in game three a little bit earlier than he did if he hadn't put him out there again after 46 minutes or whatever. So I loved way the way Diaz was handled in game two. I've always been a baseball fan who has screamed and yelled, sometimes you should use your best reliever early in a game. And by early, I don't mean like the third inning. I mean the seventh inning, the eighth yeah. inning, because sometimes the biggest outs can be earlier in a game. And I loved it. I mean, the Padres' bottom of the order was a killer in this series. Trent Grisham, good for him, because I know he made that huge error in the Brewer Nationals one-game yes. playoff years ago. So for him to have a series like this, where he was basically Barry Bonds at the end of the series, no one wanted to face him. I, I have nothing personal against him. He just goes in the line of uh, Met killers in history. Um, but I think that Buck in a game two with the season on the line needed to shut the door. And he knew the top of the order was coming up. He knew he had DS to potentially get six outs. I had no problem with it. Um, it's something I've always dreamt a manager should do. Sometimes the biggest outs are early. I do agree, though. You did say something. In game three, though, I would have used him earlier. Because I yeah. think the game was spiraling early. Now, it turned out not to matter. They couldn't score any runs. But I do agree. I would have used Diaz a little bit earlier in game three. But I got to tell you, and I don't know if I'm the majority in this, I love the way Buck used him in game two because, again, desperate times call for desperate measures. He's your best reliever. And Buck has certainly learned from his past in Baltimore, you can't leave your best reliever in that bullpen. You have to use that bullet to try to help you win a game. And, and it did help them win game two. Yeah, getting back to Grisham, I mean, in San Diego, there were some people that were questioning whether he should have been on the wild card roster. This guy... <laughs> He didn't get a hit in the second half of September. Didn't get one hit. He was Ugh. benched at one time in center field, and he comes out and hits 500 against you guys in the wild card series. I mean, I don't know nationally or if in New York, were you guys surprised by Grisham, or was that just another guy that's now on your list of guys that you just hate? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> you got to remember, people are at City Field, and they look at the scoreboard, mm -hmm. and they see that this kid's hitting 168. Right. But yeah. the assumption is he stinks, throw him strikes, get him out. He's hitting home runs. He's hitting bombs where Starling Marte is robbing him. He's drawing walks. He's getting clutch RBI singles. Um, so I think there was this reaction by the end of this series of, I'm confused. He stinks because I'm looking at his batting average, yeah. but he's killing us in this series. I, I step out from being a fan for one second when I say this. That's the beauty of baseball. Yeah. It really is for a guy like that, especially because of the uh, the misplay in that wild card game, uh, and what you said, his struggles in September. That's why baseball is the greatest freaking sport in the world. That he could have a series like this. Now it pains me, and it depresses me. Mm -hmm. And Trent Grisham's now going to live in Met history. But I can't admit that having a performance like that is part of why baseball is great. But Degrom said something after game two. He said. The home run I gave up to Grisham, I have no regrets. He hit yeah. a great pitch. Good pitch. And yeah. then proceeded to say, I didn't want to have him beat me again, which is why DeGrom walked him. 
So mm -hmm. here you have maybe the best pitcher on the planet, however you want to define him now, basically admitting I threw a great pitch to this guy. He hits it out, and then I'm treating him like Barry Bonds, and I don't want to face him. Good for him, and I certainly hope he beats the crap out of the Dodgers because the one thing we can bond on is all of our dislike for the L.A. Dodgers. There we go. Yes, there we go. Yes, I mean, fans, I cannot stand the Dodgers. Max Muncy, he's yeah. one of those guys I cannot stand. Justin Turner, I can go down the line on that. Bruce Dar Gratterall, 2020, when he was throwing the hat when he gave up like a 500-foot bomb and Bellinger robbed Tatis of the home run. Like, I, there's so many guys on that team that I just hate. But um, what do you think was the difference lineup-wise, like offensively in this series? I thought it was like the bottom of the orders. The Padres, 10 hits, 5 RBIs, 8 runs scored, 2 bombs, obviously by Grisham in the bottom of third of their order. The Mets, 4 for 27, 3 RBIs, only 2 runs scored in that bottom third of the order. I thought that was a big difference. I know like game two, Alonzo Lindor came through and stuff like that. But the Padres, they had like their whole order, except maybe Jake Cronenworth, Will Myers, but then they played good defensively. So I, I thought it was really the bottom of the order there that stood out. No question. 100%. Like, you cannot, if you're the Mets, let those three guys get on base 16 times, which I think mm -hmm. was the total number in the three games. I thought Sung Kim's walk when he's behind 0-2 to Chris Bassett in that second inning was a monstrous at-bat. Yeah. It was it was huge. So no and then doubt stealing about second it. base, stealing second base to yeah. set up Grisham single. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that seven, eight, nine for San Diego did an incredible job. I look, my expectations for the Mets bottom of the order are never high. Tomas Nito's there for his defense. So it's not even knocking their bottom three because my knock on the Met offense is mostly the big guys. Lindor right. needed to do more. Alonzo needed to do more. Mark Canna didn't have a hit in this series. The DHs needed to do more. Um, but yeah, the, the Mets' inability to get the bottom three guys out. Look, if Manny Machado and Juan Soto beat the Mets, you'd say, hey, look, great players beat them. Now, while both guys had their moments, Machado hit the laser beam home run, that kind of the game was out of reach anyway. Soto had the two run single to put the game out of reach in game three. But ultimately, those two guys weren't the guys that killed the Mets. It was the bottom three guys. And that's that's tough to live with. Yeah. What do you like about this Padres team? I mean, you've seen pretty much, you'd probably say everything. What do you like about it that thinks, or that makes you think they can go beat the Dodgers in this NLDS? The rotation. I mean, that's why it's crazy that MLB didn't really respect it. I mean, you Darvish, it, people have this weird feeling about you Darvish that he's not a big-time pitcher because he was so bad in the 2017 World Series. And he was. No one's going to deny that. He was, he was awful. But you look at his other postseason starts, he's actually been a real solid postseason pitcher. And we know how well he's pitched in September, now October. So I think when you look at Darvish and Snell and Musgrove, that is a very good top three. Hater's a wild card because I know he's pitched a lot better recently, but there's always that moment of implosion that could, that could happen. And the other thing that makes you dangerous is you've got two superstars. And Juan Soto showed as a teenager the difference he can make carrying an offense in 2019 with Washington. The, the Padres are a dangerous team. And look, I can speak for most Mets fans when I tell you this. Between the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the <laughs> L.A. Dodgers, we are rooting for you. And it's not even close. So as much as we may be bitter about this three-game series, mm -hmm. I mean, you get the Phillies, the Braves, and the Dodgers? Like it's, if you could I, pick three teams to hate, those are the teams. So, yeah, yes, the Padres are so, definitely it. So do me a favor and do New York a favor. Can you win the freaking NL pennant, please? Could you yeah, do that? I, I 
Oh, I freaking hope so. This team has not made the World Series since 1998. I, I sure hope we can. And you um, let me down in 1998 because the yeah, Yankees. Yeah, that's true. You know, yep. Mets fans don't want to see the Yankees win, and you had them beaten game one. I thought Tito struck out on that 2-2 pitch that was called a ball. Don't get me started. So you let me down in 98. Can you get the job done in 2022? That'd be appreciated. Yeah. Um, last one here about the Mets. I mean, where do they go from here? They feel, It feels like they have a lot of free agents. Obviously, the conversation for you guys, probably a lot of it's Jacob deGrom. And, but I feel like Steve Cohen, you kind of have to pay him because, okay, if you lose him, then your rotation's probably not in good shape. Uh, and then you have Max Scherzer uh, paying him $40-plus million a year for, I think, the next two years. I mean, what's your next steps here for the Mets? It starts with Brandon Nimmo, Edwin Diaz, Jacob DeGrom. They're all mm -hmm. free agents. How do you handle all three? I think the Mets are in a spot where you're right. They've got to pay Jake. They have to pay Edwin Diaz. I like Brandon Nimmo. He's a replaceable player. I mean, you can – replace Brandon Nimmo. You can't replace Jacob DeGrom. You can't replace Edwin Diaz. I think that that needs to be the priority. And then how far is Steve Cohen willing to go in spending? I mean, is he willing to have a $350 million payroll? Like, are they going to go make a run at Aaron Judge or Trey Turner or guys like that? Because clearly they could use another bat. And we saw mm -hmm. offense was one of their biggest issues. They do have a lot of prospects coming up that could be big factors next year. Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, who got hurt, unfortunately. Mark Vientos, who wasn't on the postseason roster. So they do have young bats that can contribute. But to me, the priority is Jacob DeGrom. Because also, you know, he's my guy. And I think for a lot of Mets fans, he's our guy. He's homegrown. Uh, we didn't sign him as a free agent. We didn't trade for him. We drafted him. We developed him. So it would really be difficult to see Jake in any other uniform besides a Met one. Yeah, just putting this in perspective for Padres fans, this would be like if the Padres didn't bring back Joe Musgrove and they didn't sign him to that extension like they did. If the Mets don't bring back Jacob deGrom, I mean, guys like Evan, they're going to be pretty pissed off, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Talking no about doubt. pissed off. I think that's going to be the reaction today uh, on Carton and Roberts with the callers and stuff today, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of angry, disappointed fans. It's a mix of anger and disappointment that the season ended this way. And a lot of it is going to be, we shouldn't have been in this series. Like, this series should have featured the Braves against the Padres. It shouldn't have been us because they led the division for 95% of the year. And if one game in Atlanta, if they were able to win one game in Atlanta, it's a completely different story. And I think that's where the disappointment really begins. Do you think Craig's going to get on you a little bit these next couple of weeks? I mean, with the Yankees, they get the Guardians. I think they'll get, they can win that series. I mean, we never know, but I think they could win that series. Uh, I think he's going to be able to say that the Yankees are in the postseason a couple of weeks here longer than your Listen, team. we have that dynamic here in New York where we've got multiple teams. So we don't all rally behind one team. And so the Yankee fans are going to have their fun. They should. Now, I got to be careful if you're the Yankees. You got to win. You know, you get knocked out in five days. What the hell did you do? You got to make fun of the Met fans. But yeah, that's what our city's about. It's about busting each other's balls, and we just have to live with it. Uh, Guardians in four. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Evan. This has been episode 247, Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. You can get them at Petco Park when the Padres play the Dodgers on Friday in the NLDS. Again, Evan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Good luck. Beat the Dodgers. That's right. Go Padres. See you, everybody.